Hi, this is Nathan. Before we get to the episode, I want to invite you to join me on an incredible adventure this November of 2024. I am taking a small group of believers to Turkey, what the New Testament called Asia Minor, for a 12-day Bible study tour of the early church. We'll be studying the book of Acts and many of the epistles on location as we visit ancient cities like Ephesus, Laodicea, Heropolis, Antioch, Pergamum, and many more. If you are interested in joining me this November for a once-in-a-lifetime adventure as we study where much of the New Testament and early church took place, you can learn more by going to deeperchristian.com forward slash turkey. And if you're interested, don't delay. Spots are limited and on a first-come, first-served basis, and a $100 discount is available if you register before May 27th. I do hope you can join me. And again, more information is available at deeperchristian.com forward slash turkey. Now, here's the episode. Welcome to episode 31 of the Deeper Christian Podcast. This is the podcast to help you study God's word, know Jesus intimately, and discover how you can build your life around Jesus Christ. I'm Nathan Johnson, and today I want to talk about the spiritual warfare, the spiritual battle that we're all engaged in. Let's dive in. Do you recognize that we are in a battle? It's interesting that a lot of our modern culture says, well, yeah, the the Bible uses a metaphor called a battle, a spiritual warfare. And yet we must not forget that it's not just a metaphor. We are actually as believers in a literal battle. Now we don't rage against, you know, flesh and blood. We don't pull out physical swords and beat people. You and I are in a spiritual battle. And one of the things I love about scripture is the fact that scripture reveals who our God is, and yet at the same time reveals and exposes the tricks and the lies and the schemes of the enemy. Now, the word of God is not about the enemy, and yet in its exposure about who God is, it actually reveals what he's not like, and it reveals the strategies and the wiles and the the temptings of the enemy. I love that reality. And as a Christian, it is really important for you to know whose kingdom you're living in and literally how to repel the kingdom of darkness. Now, I want to read a passage from Ephesians chapter 6. It's probably the classic passage on spiritual warfare. Listen to this. Ephesians 6, verse 10 through 18. Paul writes this, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, take the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, 
being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Paul says, hey, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Well, what does that mean? What? How, how do we do that? He goes on and says, put on the whole armor of God that you will be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Do you realize that the enemy has wiles? Uh, when I was a kid, I remember watching this uh, cartoon show called Bugs Bunny. And part of the one of the one of the little pieces of Bugs Bunny was uh, this these little episodes of the Wiley Coyote and the Roadrunner. And it's interesting when you think about Wiley Coyote, his name literally is Wile E Coyote. Well, why did they name him that? Oh, because he is full of wiles and tricks and schemes. See, he's he's full of this how do I plot and plan and how do I get the Roadrunner? Now, if you've ever seen this show, you recognize that every time, every attempt he makes, it never works. In fact, everything just kind of goes against him. But the enemy, oh, Paul says that the enemy, the devil has wiles. Now that word wiles in the Greek, it's interesting. It's the Greek word methodia. It has, it's where we kind of get our word method. It's, it's this scheming, it's a craftiness, it's a wile. In other words, it gives a sense that that there's a method of doing something. It's usually deceptive. That it's usually a systematic process or a logical step-by-step process. That what the devil has is basically this method. He has a scheme. He has this deceptive, logical step-by-step in which to woo and draw you into his plan. Paul says, hey, you are to stand against those wiles. In other words, I am to put on the armor of God. Why do I put on the armor? So that I can really stand in the evil day. See, I, I do not fight against flesh and blood, but I'm fighting against this spiritual host in the heavenly realms. Now, what would it look like if you and I began to realize that we are in a spiritual battle? That it's not that we just live life carelessly. It's not that we just live life randomly. Every day, I'm really to pick up my sword, I'm to put on the armor of Christ and literally engage in the battle that you and I are living in. Again, Ephesians 6, 10 through 11, let me read it one more time for you. It says this, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. That idea of to put on, it's an imperative in the Greek, which means it's a command. That you are commanded to be dressed, to be clothed, or to put on the whole armor of God. Why? So that you would be able, that you would literally be sufficient to meet the need. That you would literally have the ability to stand against the wiles of the devil. In other words, without the armor, you recognize that you cannot stand against the wiles, the trickery, the methods of the enemy. And yet, when you put on the clothing This armor, which by the way, every single piece is Jesus. See, he is the truth. He is our breastplate of righteousness. He is our helmet of salvation. He is the living word of God. And literally it is, yeah, you know, we've kind of taken the armor of God and made it like the, you know, the Sunday school classroom and all the kids kind of dress up in armor. But the reality is this is not some little kid's play toy. This is the the battle armament of a full-blown Christian, you and I are to literally wear and dress and be clothed with 
Jesus Christ. He is our armor. And when I allow, and I, and I just allow him to put this armor on me as I, as I in, it's again, it's an imperative, as I'm commanded to be dressed, to be clothed with this armor, then what I find is that I am sufficient to meet the need, that I, I am sufficient to handle the wiles of the, of the enemy, that I can stand strongly. Now, I love this part. At the very beginning of verse 10, he says, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. The word, therefore, be strong. It's interesting. It is an imperative, so it's it's a command. I am commanded to be strong. But here's what's interesting. The command to be strong is in the passive tense. In other words, this is not me actively being strong. Uh, this is not me turning within myself and, and you know having muscle and saying, all right, I'll, I'll stand strong. Okay, it's my strength. See, the passive tense in Greek has this idea of I'm going to allow whatever that is, that the verb, the action, to really happen to me. In other words, the emphasis that Paul is making here is that I am commanded to be strong. But how does that take place? Oh, get this. I am to allow the strength of God Almighty to come and literally rest itself upon me that his strength becomes my strength. See, I am commanded to be strong, and yes, it is a command, but I'm not commanded to be strong in and of my own ability. See, I'm not commanded to be strong in and of my own strength. How am I commanded to be strong? Oh, I am commanded to be strong in his strength. I've noticed in my personal life that, hey, if I fight a battle spiritually, if, if, I'm, if I'm trying to muster up the ability and the courage and the strength to stand against whatever the, whatever the attack is, I don't do too well. If there, say there's imagine, imagine this temptation comes and, and I say, all right, I, I can handle this temptation. Jesus, why don't you sit this one out? The moment that I, in my own ability, in my own strength, try to handle that temptation, I lose. See, the only ability, the only option I have of being victorious over temptation, see, the only chance that I ever have of standing strong in the midst of a spiritual battle is when I allow his strength to become my own, that I don't live out of my own intellect. I don't live out of my own ability. I don't live out of my own talent. I don't live out of my own resource or my own strength. What would happen if I began to live out of his strength, out of his ability, See, James says that I can resist the devil and he will flee. But see, it's not in my name. It's not in my ability. It's not my authority. It's when I resist in the authority of Jesus Christ, the enemy has to leave. See, I don't have strength in and of myself. I don't have ability in and of of myself. I need him and his resource to become mine. And you realize the the beauty of the new covenant, the New Testament, is the fact that the outside God has come to be inside at Pentecost. And now that outside God who's now living inside via the indwelling of the Holy Spirit now wants to be my resource. See, he wants to be my strength. He he wants to give me his wisdom. See, he wants to he wants to literally live his life in and through me. So again, Paul says, hey, be strong but not in of yourself, be strong in the Lord. Allow his strength to be yours and live in the power of his might and really clothe yourself with the whole armor of God, which is Jesus himself, so that you will be, an, you will be enabled, that you would be capable, you would be sufficient 
to stand strong against the wiles, the scheming, the methods of the enemy. Can I ask you, how are you doing in the spiritual battle? Do you recognize that you live in a spiritual battle? Do, do, you, do you notice that every day the enemy is trying to get your focus off of Jesus Christ? See, last in the last episode, we talked about this idea of obsession. What is your obsession? Is your obsession Jesus Christ? And you recognize the enemy is doing everything he can to get your focus off of that singular point of Jesus Christ. See, temptations confront you. We have all these distractions with work or bills or, or family situations or health or whatever it may be. And yes, I, I recognize that a lot of that is physical. But do you realize that in, in essence of the physical or in the midst of the physical, there is a spiritual battle being raged for you? See, what if I could look at every situation and say, Jesus, what is your perspective in the midst of this situation? What, what, what is it that you want to handle in the midst of this circumstance? I love the story of Elisha in 2 Kings chapter 6. Here's Elisha and, and the, the king of Syria is just really just trying to go after the Israelites. And of course, every time that the king of Syria shows up somewhere, Elisha had already told the king of Israel and Israel is there ready to battle them. And of course, the king of Assyria says, well, hey, I know, how to, I know how to deal with this. Let's go get Elisha. And so they go and they surround the place where Elisha was at. And the servant of Elisha goes out to gather some water. And as he comes back in, he's just, oh, he's in desperation. He's, man, he's deeply concerned. And he just runs into Elisha and says, oh, master, what shall we do? They're, man, we're, so, we're surrounded by the Syrians. And oh, no, you know, that kind of thing. And of course, Elisha just kind of smiles and says, no big deal. For those who are with us is, is greater than those who are with them. And of course, you know, the servant looks around going, uh, sorry, Elisha, but there's only two of us. And there's all these Syrians. And Elisha prays that the eyes of his servants would be opened. And it says that the servant looked around and all the hillsides around, there were horses and chariots of fire all around. See, Elisha had a different perspective. Yes, there was a physical situation going on, but in the midst of the physical situation, Elisha had a spiritual insight, a, a spiritual perspective. Now, what would happen if you and I had that as we lived? See, what if you and I realized that, that yes, we live in the physical, but we also live in a spiritual reality? That Ephesians 2 says that we are literally seated in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That yes, we live a physical existence, but we also live a spiritual existence. That the battle that we are in is not a physical one, it is a spiritual one. See, see what if we would just realize that the only way that we can withstand in this evil day, that, see, we realize that the, hey, the only way that we are going to stand strong and bring glory unto Jesus Christ is that when we would actually stand strong in his strength, that we look clothe ourselves with the armor of God, which is Jesus, and that we would stand against the wiles, the scheming of the enemy. You are in a battle. But here's the great news. Uh, Paul says in Romans 8, 37, yet in all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Do you realize that you are more than a conqueror? See, Alexander the Great was a conqueror. Napoleon was a conqueror. And Paul says, you are more than a conqueror. See, we are in a spiritual battle. And it's not that we're just survivors. We don't just eke by and go, whoa, I'm glad I just barely made it through. Paul says, no, no, no. 
you are a conqueror. In fact, you are more than a conqueror through him who loved us. What if you could face your next trial? What if you could face your next temptation? How? What if you could face the next circumstance that you've got to walk through with that mindset? That the battle that you are fighting is a spiritual battle, which means we must be in prayer, we must be in the word, and we must clothe ourselves with Jesus Christ. That he becomes our fortress, he becomes our protection, he becomes our deliverance. And the book of Psalms over and over it says that, that God is our refuge, he is our protection. But do you realize it's really talking about Jesus? Well, let me just read you two passages. Psalm 18, verse 1 through 3, David says this, I will love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. Do you realize that's true about Jesus? In fact, let me read it with the word Jesus in it. I will love you, Jesus, my strength. Jesus is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. He is my strength in whom I will trust. Jesus is my shield and the horn of my salvation. He is my stronghold. I will call upon Jesus who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. Now for David, they were physical enemies. But for you and I in the spiritual battle that we are facing, do you realize that Again, we're not fighting against flesh and blood. We're fighting against the principalities and powers and mights and dominions, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness. And David says, so shall I be saved from my enemies. Do you realize that Jesus is our salvation? And that I will be saved from not just physical enemies, sure, but spiritual. We're in a spiritual battle. See, could I be saved from lust? from greed, from fear or anxiety? What, what about pride or anger or lies or doubt or self-pity or rebellion? See, see, could I be saved from those enemies in my life? Well, David says, well, yes. Why? Because the Lord is my strength, my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, the, the horn of my salvation. He is my shield. See, Jesus is the armor that I wear. He is the refuge that I hide within. Psalm 31 verse 3 says this, For you are my rock and my fortress. Therefore, for your name's sake, lead me and guide me. See, what would happen if you faced today, not in your own strength, not in your own wisdom, not in your ability or in your talent. What if you could face today in the strength and the power and the wisdom of Jesus Christ? If, if Pentecost is, is, is the reality of the Christian life, if the outside God has come to be inside and now we have the Holy Spirit indwelling within our lives, then you realize that you have everything you need, as 2 Peter 1.3 says, that you have everything you need for life and for godliness. See, you can stand strong against the wiles of the enemy. See, you can clothe yourself with Jesus Christ. Why? Because he lives inside of you. See, what if you could face temptation today, not in your strength or your willpower or through your determination or your self-control. See, what if I could face temptation out of him and his strength and his self-control? You realize that 
Self-control is actually a fruit of the spirit. And it's not me trying to control myself. It's literally the spirit of God giving control over myself. That he is the one that is tempering my life. That he is the one that's bringing discipline in my soul. See, he is the one that is allowing me to live a life that in and of myself, I cannot live in my own ability, and my own wisdom, and my own talent, or my own strength. You are in a battle. How are you doing? Are you, are you trying to muster up strength in and of yourself? Or are you winning the battle that you are in day by day because you are strong in the Lord? That you've clothed yourself with him and you're allowing him to make you strong so that you are able, sufficient, enabled to stand against the wiles and the trickery of the enemy. Can I encourage you afresh to go after Jesus Christ and do not face a single moment of any single day in your own ability. See, don't turn within yourself. Lean upon, depend, surrender, abide in Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit. And as you do, you will find that the spiritual battle that you are within, the temptations that come knocking, hey, the the trials and the, the testings that we endure, we are able to be triumphant, that we are able to be victorious, that we can, in fact, be more than a conqueror through him who loved us. Oh, I want that for you. And I am cheering you on unto that end. If you've listened to the last couple of episodes, you'll have remembered that we've started a new segment for the Deeper Christian Podcast where we're taking a a clip from the Bravehearted Voices podcast and kind of giving you a teaser to encourage you to listen to the full-length thing. Now, last week, we released a sermon by Duncan Campbell. It's actually basically a story form of his time in Scotland when Godly brought forth revival starting in Lewis, Scotland. And it's just an incredible story of just the movement of God and what God did through a people. So I just want to play you a short clip from Duncan Campbell's annunciation of the revival in Lewis, Scotland, this is called When God Stepped Down from Heaven. Well, now I could go on talking to you about incidents and how it began. But I think I ought to mention one, of, one or two of the, the supreme features of the movement. First of all, of course, it was the awareness of God. That to me was the outstanding thing. This sense of God, the fear of God in the parish and in the neighboring parishes. You could speak to any person and you would find them thinking about God and crying for mercy. Now that is a fact that cannot be disputed. God was everywhere. And because of this awareness of God, the churches were crowded, crowded through the day, right on through the night to five and six o'clock in the morning. In revival, time does not exist. You see, the presence of God puts to flight program. I've often I've cried to God to so move in our midst that the 
program will go on the presence, take the place. Well, that was what happened. But perhaps one of the main and outstanding features was this deep, deep conviction of sin. Now, I can't explain this. You would have to be there to see. Well, thanks for listening to the Deeper Christian Podcast. For show notes of this episode, including an outline and other links to resources and articles, including the full-length sermon of Duncan Campbell, I would encourage you to visit deeperchristian.com forward slash 31 for episode 31. Now, until next time, know I am cheering you on as you build your life around Jesus Christ.